Hello and welcome to the Hearts Review with me Ross McLeod and Gordon Senior. Joining us this week is Jamie to talk about the 0-0 draw with Hibs. We look back at the summer transfer window. Has it been a good one for Hearts? We look ahead to Ross County on Saturday and we talk about the strategic review Hearts and other clubs in Scotland are involved with. Nil-nil draw against Hibs. It was uh, it, it did it, it did look like a boring game um, when you look at the result, but you know actually it did it did seem a bit like a bit of an exciting game, Gordon, wasn't it? Well, I got my prediction of nil-nil spot on, um, but yeah, you're you're right. It, it wasn't the, the kind of the bore draw that I, ex- I maybe expected it to be. Um, I think if you're a neutral, you're you're quite entertained to be honest with you. Um, but obviously, we aren't neutrals, so. Is a bit of a disappointment for us, but yeah, I, I thought you know there was plenty of action in the game. It was a typical derby. It was a hundred miles an hour. I thought both teams were um, were were quite creative. They were trying to create chances, but you know I don't think there's a lot between the two sides to be honest with you. And I think in the end it was uh, it was obviously the story of two goalkeepers. But for me, you know, I, I think. Um, you know, you'll be lucky if there's maybe even three points between Hearts and Hibs this season. I just think, you know, you look right through the, the both sides and you, they really are just sort of match for match. You know, both have strong midfields, both have really good attackers, both clearly have two good goalkeepers. I think maybe defensively is probably where both sides are a little bit um, a little bit weak. And um, and I think you, you've seen it a couple of times, both, both the um, defences almost... Um, gave away a couple of goals, but but in credit to it was it was the goalkeepers really that kind of bailed both of them out. So I think it could have easily been two two three three. But um, from a harsh point of view, disappointed that we didn't win the game because it would have been a real marker to put down and and uh, you know continue that really good momentum. But um, you know we're still unbeaten, and and I think both sides will dust themselves down and um, and look forward to the next encounter against each other because I think it's clear there's going to be very little between the sides this season. Jimmy, does it does it prove that obviously Gordon made the point about the defense the, the defending does it actually prove that both aren't very good defensively if the goalies are making that many saves during a match? Yeah, maybe. I mean it's an interesting point actually because I'm sure we'll probably get onto this later on. I was up at the press conference today and I actually asked Lee McCulloch. I said, well Craig Gordon, the, the stats have come out this week that Craig Gordon's made the most saves so far in the top flight and uh, I said does that reflect negatively on the defence and he said no he said uh, if you if you look at a stat like that you would think that we've got the worst defence in the league and he doesn't believe that we've got the worst defence in the league so going by his uh, thought process uh, maybe maybe I think Hibbs defence has had its critics recently especially from their own support I think it's a pretty average defence and uh, but as for our defence, I don't know. We've still got Craig Halkett and Michael Smith in our defence. Gogsy would say that uh, they're two players that have went went down with the, the sinking ship uh, 18 months ago now. So That's sure to that as well, by the way. Yeah, I suppose. He didn't play that much, though, did he? He was he was still, still kind of injured for parts of that. But yes, fair point. It's interesting. I mean, Craig Halkett did have a header gone back to Craig Gordon. And if Gordon wasn't there, I mean, other goalies probably wouldn't have got there as quick as Gordon. You know, that that sort of selling the jersey without a good keeper like Gordon, you know, you, you, you can afford to make those mistakes, can't you? You know, this, they should be better in defence, though, shouldn't they? 
Well, yeah, of course they should be. And, you know, I mean, you look at the season that Hearts went down, a lot of the goals that they conceded came from defensive errors. Um, now, a lot of them were goalkeeping errors as well. So, thankfully, we rectified that, that, that position uh, with a world-class goalkeeper in Craig Gordon. But you can't always rely on Craig Gordon getting you out of jail. And I've said for a wee while that, you know, I think Hearts get away with that a little bit because they've obviously got the back three and they've got two really good holding midfielders. But, you know, if you, if you want to see us playing a little bit more openly, particularly which I think we'll need to at home. I don't think we'll be able to play a back three against Livingston, for example, I don't, nor should we at home, and even against Motherwell and things like that. You know, I mean, we've had a, obviously three um, tough teams coming to Tynecastle, so I can understand why they went with that formation. But, I mean, when Motherwell's and Livingston's and these sort of sides come to Tynecastle, you can't expect Hearts to be playing effectively with a back five at home to these sides. You just won't. I would expect us to revert to a back four and it'll be interesting to see how they do in those kind of games um, you know I think Taylor Moore looked alright when he came on it'll be interesting to see if he can dislodge either Halkett or Suter um, from from their um, from centre half um, and it'll be interesting to see what he brings to the team I think obviously Smith going off um, you, you know it'll be interesting to see how fit he can stay this season 33 now I think there's there's obviously been questions asked. You know, if you want to play with with a a full back, um, uh, sorry, a wing back, then is is he the man to to do that? Is that his best position for me? I'm not so sure. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if if maybe somebody can dislodge him from from his position. You know, I think Cochrane's came in and done quite well when he's played um, at centre half or as a, as a wing back. I think you've got Kingsley in there as well. I mean, Kingsley's best position for me would be would be left back, but you know, he, I thought he played he played quite well um, there. I think the most disappointing thing from from the defensive point of view from Sunday would be that they didn't really get forward. Um, I know it maybe sounds quite strange when you're talking about defence, but you know, we do have centre halves in there who can get forward a little bit and and can push the team further up. I thought they were quite static at times, and I only can really recall maybe. Halkett Suter, um, maybe having one run each, I think, you know, um, and going past the halfway line. I don't know if that was maybe they were told to do that, to, to maybe keep an eye on and just concentrate on the defensive duties, which is fine. But, you know, I think when you have kind of a Benny and a Haring in there um, who are more suited to being deeper line midfielders, I think, you know, one of them can slot in a little bit and they can, you know, you can maybe see a Suter or Halkett have a bit of a mazy run create a bit of space and um, I think there was one point in the second half and I think it was, I can't remember if it was Suter or Halkett, but one of them did did have a run and they just chose the wrong pass. They, they, they chose to sort of pass it into the middle where they actually had, I think it was maybe Gino who was maybe out wide and, and they could have played him in and that, that was a real opportunity because when, you're de- when a defender runs at a midfield or a defence, you know, suddenly the team panics a little bit and, and one of them comes towards him but by this point he's made up so much space that it frees other players and and you should be encouraging your centre-halves to do that and Liverpool are a prime example who get it absolutely spot on uh, Van Dijk's brilliant at doing that and he creates space for for other players um, to, to, to attack and I just think that it's something that we should, particularly if we're going to play a back three that we should be encouraging because Suter's really good in the ball, you've seen that, Halkett's not the worst player in the ball either so um, these guys can do that, but I just think you know we didn't we didn't see enough of it on Sunday, unfortunately. And um, I think in, in the end, I thought both defences 
for a nil-nil weren't the standouts. One one positive though, probably Jamie, is the is the attacking options that now that now Hearts have. You know, we've got a lot of tricky wingers. We've got Liam Boyce up front. You know, that's the sort of thing we've been crying out for as fans, isn't it? Yeah, I think we've basically got two front frees now. So we've recruited really well. You know, we've, you don't need me to tell you that. We've got Liam Boyce, Gary McKay, Stephen, Josh Ginelli say as one front free. Then you've got Nondwee, Ben Woodburn and Barry McKay now. So you've got a lot of depth going forward, but you've also got depth uh, in midfield as well. So you look at the Jamie Walker, Aaron McInef, both um, didn't even make the match they squad for last weekend's match. Then you've got Andy Halliday, and Cammy Devlin, obviously, as well, who were unused uh, unused substitutes as well in, in the centre of midfield, or Halliday, obviously, could play fullback as well. So I think we have recruited very well all over, um, and we have got a bit more depth in the squad now. You look at even just that Aberdeen game, we were right down to the bare bones, and uh, that benefits the youngsters as well, because now we've been able to loan out a few, a few of the youngsters, um, go and get them the game time that they need to develop, and... Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing one youngster in particular coming back, hopefully from a loan spell, and uh, sure he'll be offered a new contract. It's nice to see Spencer's joined us this week. Um, <laughs> Gordon, should we have won the game, though, considering it was at Tincastle? Yeah, of course, listen, you should always be beating that lot, whether it's at home or away. Um, but I think um, over the piece, I thought the draw was probably a fair result. Um, you know, I think they they started the better, uh, and I was you know I was thinking on oh, no it's typical Nielsen Derby performance here, but tried it to you know I thought Hearts gained control of the the the, the game uh, for the majority of the first half. After that, after that kind of 10, 15 minutes when the game settled down, I thought Hearts looked better on the ball and they started to create a few chances. Uh, but Hibs were still dangerous on the break, and uh, you seen that particularly at the end when Martin Boyle he had a shot, uh, it just went wide and. Um, well, actually, it was Craig Gordon saved it, but it was given as a goal kick. Um, I'm sure we'll come to the referee shortly. But um, for me, you know, I thought even the start of the second half, I thought Hearts were, were asking the questions. They were still uh, controlling the ball uh, a, a lot better than what Hibs were. Um, I think if Gary mckay Stephen scores uh, at that point when Hearts are on top, I think we'd go on and win the game. Um, but Hibs started to come into the game. You know, they went for it towards the end. And, um, and and could have scored, you know. I thought, you know, if the, if they were a little bit better in their finishing, I know Craig Gordon made a couple of good saves, but I thought some of the the, the Hibs decision making in the final third probably let them down, to be honest with you. And I think if um if they were a little bit more street smart, they they probably would have punished Hearts actually. But um, thankfully it wasn't to be, and uh, and in the end, you know, I thought overall, um, a draw was probably a fair result. Oh, I think a draw was fair. I think, uh, you know, if you look at it from a neutral's point of view, maybe somebody who didn't watch the game, you think, oh, nil-nil, you think, ah, typical Edinburgh derby, absolutely rubbish. But I thought both teams um, created plenty of chances. It could have been a goal-scoring draw. Either team probably felt they could have, uh, they did enough to win it. But I wouldn't accuse either manager of uh, kind of playing for a draw. I think both teams created chances right to the end. Um, so, yeah, probably a fair result in the whole, though. And uh, I appreciate it was a home derby, though, and we always want to, to win the derby, but especially at home. But, you know, the away team have, have done okay in derbies in, uh, in recent times, which is an interesting statistic. But, uh, yeah, we'll need to take a point. We've got three winnable fixtures coming up, which I'm sure we'll get on to. But, uh, yeah, draw's not the end of the world. I think you see I think you see the difference in the reactions between the football clubs. So, I mean, 
obviously Hibs will always celebrate anything they get at Tynecastle, won't they? So um, they, they, they they were absolutely overjoyed with with their points. So um, I almost feel like I went to Hibs really, to be honest with you. I mean, it's they're they're currently going through an unprecedented, unbeaten run at Tynecastle. I think it's now, is it four? I think without defeat at Tynecastle. So. I mean, they'll be writing books and DVDs about this run. So, listen, I'm sure they'll enjoy it and uh, and let them. But hopefully by the time April comes around, I think April's the next home derby, we'll be ready for them. You do have to question the mentality of, of Hibs. I mean, Robbie Nielsen did talk about that, didn't you, Jamie, in his press conference after the game? I think it was actually to, to Hearts TV that he maybe said that. Uh, he certainly didn't say it to us after the game, but... Um... Yeah, you know, it's a difficult one. I've seen a few different opinions on it. Um, some people are saying they were just acknowledging the travelling support. I thought the Hibs were quite good, actually, quite loud. Um, but, you know, you would expect that from the away fans. Oh, in a I disagree, to be honest. But, yeah, I would, yeah. you know, there's nothing nothing special about that. I would expect that from the, the visiting fans in a derby. But, um, you know, there's some people are saying they were just acknowledging the fans. You know, it's the first... Um, kind of a way derby that the fans have been at for a while so maybe there was just a bit of that to it I don't know I appreciate it's probably a better point for Hibs considering they're missing Doidge, Murphy, Jake Doyle Hayes and I think that probably contributes to a lot of the disappointment from the Hearts um, Hearts end of things that we think we probably should have beaten that Hibs team especially when you probably look at the bench I thought we had the impact off the bench and I think that Hibs really didn't. I thought Hibs' squad was pretty stretched and I can see why fans were disappointed. I certainly thought at half-time, the longer the game went on, we might have been able to get a bit more um, impetus from the bench. Um, but obviously, I think Michael Smith only getting an hour. I would like to have seen Nondwee come on as well. Um, but obviously, I think that the kind of injury to Smith, Nielsen said before the game, they knew that they were only going to get an hour out of Michael Smith. I think that kind of scuppered that plan a wee bit. So. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I would have loved to have seen uh, Nondalee as well play because for me, I think that, uh, as I said before, I think the Hibs defence is, is pretty bang average. And, you know, for me, if you put pressure on Porteous or Hanlon, they'll, they'll, they'll cave. And I think, you know, if you had a, a, another physical presence up there, um, you know, even to, to actually just man on, then then you would have probably seen a bit of, uh, some errors from them. And I think, you know, that would have helped Boyce and gave him a little bit of space because he was having to come deep to get the ball and um, they couldn't really get him in the game in the second half. And well, even the first half, you could argue as well, um, he was he was clearly man-marked and as the danger man. I think if Nandalee had been on, then there was a good opportunity for, um, for him to get a bit of space and hopefully punish Hibs. But uh, listen, it wasn't to be, um, I think, you know, you always find usually that, that teams don't tend to win the first derbies anyway. And most of them tend to, to end as a draw, um, particularly when both sides are, are kind of evenly matched. So, um, yeah, it'll be, uh, there'll be interesting battles this season. You know, it really will be. And I think Ross and Nielsen are similar managers. I wouldn't have shocked me if you've seen four draws this season between Hearts and Hibs. But, um, you know, entertaining draws at least. At least that that, that one was a, a fairly entertaining game. Um, and I think... Uh, yeah, I think there's there's lots to build on for us. Hearts will get better for me. I think they will. I don't think Hearts have reached anywhere near their peak yet. But I have a feeling that that, that Hibs maybe have. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I could be wrong, but I, I think, you know, I think there's a lot more to come from this Hearts side, which excites me. What do you make of the refereeing performance, Jamie, from Nick Walsh? 
yeah, he wasn't great, was he? Um, pretty whistle happy, you know. In a derby, sometimes you kind of let things go early doors. It depends, really. Referee, referee would referee a, a derby game differently, but he was a wee bit whistle happy for me. And um, I'm not sure I would say he was particularly bad in either team's favour. I think that obviously the main decision that I'm sure we'll talk about would be the Paul McGinn uh, decision. At the time, I kind of watched it back and thought, oh, I can see why he's kind of given that. But uh, for me, Paul McGinn kind of loses his footing and uh, he, he just brings Liam Boyce down. It's just outside the box, but he is the last man and you know Boyce is going through on goal. So if he gives that, it's a red card and uh, obviously a complete game changer. Yeah, I think he completely bowled it, to be honest with you, particularly that decision. And um, the way it started, he was he was very... Um, he was very whistle happy. Um, surprised he didn't book more people than he did, but I, I generally think he, he absolutely choked at that chance there because it's clear that, that McGinn has um, has lost his footing. He's taken out Boyce. I think both of them maybe slipped a little bit, but to suggest that Boyce has, has fouled him is, is complete and utter nonsense. You know, I mean, it's a baffling decision. And the linesman as well, for me, he's got a clear view of it. Um, I think they've both just, just choked there. And for him to turn around and and give a foul against Boyce it is absolutely baffling. It really is. And and the only reason he's done that is because he doesn't want to go and send the Hibs defender off. And he, he's bottled it completely. You've got to have a strong referee in, in those kind of games. Um, I appreciate it's his first derby, but I'm fairly certain it's his first big game he's ever refereed. Um, I've never been impressed by him. Um, and for me, the big games deserve big referees. Listen, the standard in Scotland isn't particularly high, but I don't think I will call him even a Madden. Um, I don't think they choked that decision. I think they, they, they rightly sent Paul McGinn off. And um, for me, he's clearly changed the game because I think if hips go down to 10 men, Hearts go and beat them. Do referees then need more help when it comes to those types of decisions then, Gordon? But, but, but that's not even needing help. I mean, that for me is an easy decision. And I, I know Jamie said, oh, I can maybe understand. I can't understand. You know, and this isn't me with hearts tinted glasses on here. That is never a foul from, from the striker. Never in a million years. It's it's ridiculous. Um, you know, McGinn clearly takes him out after the both because they both do kind of lose their footing. Um, you know, I don't know what Boyce is meant to do in this situation. He clearly gets away from um from McGinn and he sticks his he sticks and wipes him out. Um, so ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And I thought there was a few few times like that in the game where um, he was quick to blow his whistle and there was a few 50-50s as well that he was quick to give Hibs his way so um, yeah yeah, he had a poor afternoon for me but but that that was a big decision and um, you know for me they've got to get that absolute spot on it's just been the case eh? he's clearly seen it um, but he's just choked and he's not wanting to send the, the Hibs defender off and um, you know we talk about having VAR um you know, I think VAR would be a really good thing in Scottish football, and I think it's something we definitely need. Um, but would would Nick Walsh go and, and look that look at that back and, and still give it? I'm not so sure. Which for me, um, you have to talk about the standard of refereeing and whether or not they've got the balls to referee. And I just don't think uh, you know referees like him do. Chris Sutton once said, uh, "You can get all the technology and." to help these referees, but it's still the same incompetent officials that are operating it, is what he said. So I find that, I think that's a very good point. You can get this technology in to help them out, but you say it yourself, if Nick Walsh hasn't got the bottle to make that decision, then VAR is probably not going to change that. 
Yeah, spot on, spot on. And uh, I think, you know, Chris Sutton's right, although it's quite ironic that it's coming from a Celtic-minded pundit when, you know, VAR uh, would would probably actually discourage um, and, and point towards... Uh, his team, if anything, uh, because they do they do get uh, more help from referees than any other clubs. So, um, but yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I think Nick Walsh for me just had just there was such a lack of bottle, you know, in his presence as well. He just didn't have the right presence, I think, in in the game and to, to referee a big game like that. Because I think if there was a nasty challenge and it spilled over, for me, he would lose complete control of that um, of of the game. So. Um, I don't think derbies like that, uh, particularly this early in the season, should be left to uh, an inexperienced referee like that. I think for me that the top officials got to referee the top games. And I appreciate they've got to learn and all this sort of thing. But, um, you know, for me, that it's a simple decision and, and he completely choked. We're going to move on and chat a little bit about um, the transfer window that's just passed. Obviously, Barry Mackay signed um, during the week. Um, and we've also already discussed our attacking options, but it's been a relatively good window, Jamie. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be surely one of the best we've had for a long, long time. I, I just spoke there about the kind of depth that we've added across the pitch. Uh, Nielsen said that before going into the window, they knew the areas that they wanted to strengthen in. And obviously having a specific um, kind of sporting director there in Joe Savage to who probably has just a few more contacts as well down south. You know, they said before that that's the market that they want to look into down south. So I think that's always going to help. But uh, yeah, I think it's been a very successful window for Hearts. And obviously time will tell. There's been a few guys that have not, not seen yet, and the likes of Cammy Devlin. But I'm sure that uh, from what we've all read, you know, a lot of the people over in, over in Australia have said that that's going to be a very good signing for us. So looking forward to seeing him as well, possibly a, a potential debut on Saturday. Yeah, I think there's a really good depth now to, to Hearts. And, um, you know, it's, I think that's probably what's let us down in recent years. We've we've had decent enough 11s, but we've never had the depth to properly compete. And, um, I mean, you just go back to, to when we made that blistering start under Levine, uh, top of the league, well, eight wins of eight or whatever it was, we are top of the league right until November. Key players suddenly, you know, start going down, dropping like flies. And we crumbled. Um, now, I think a lot, a lot of that's to do with the manager and the recruitment still. But at the same time, you look at this team now and say they were to have a few injuries to, to kind of key players. There's boys who can come in. You know, Jamie mentioned earlier that, that we have effectively two front threes. I'd be comfortable with either of those threes starting. I really would be. And I think when Ben Woodburn gets up, gets up to speed, you know, I think uh, obviously at Tannadice, uh, you know, it was his debut. Um, but I think, you know, you watched the, the him on Sunday there, and I thought he was excellent. I really did. I thought he's um, is he only really had a, the opportunity with one shot a goal, and it was a a blistering strike. He was he was really unlucky with that actually, um, but it was the skill to to create the space and get the shot away, and that's what you want to see from one of your your, your attacking players. You know, more shots at goal. I think it's something that we don't do enough of, um, and hopefully, you know, a player like him will, will be able to, to do that. And I think, you know, when he gets up to speed, properly match fit, I think he'll be a really, really key player for Hearts. I think Mackay coming in as well is an excellent addition. I think, you know, you, you even seen him for the last half hour there. Um, he's not somebody who's afraid um, to, to, to take the ball. Um, he's got a lovely delivery. Um, he's quick. So, you know, I think he'll, he'll do really well for us, hopefully, as well. We know what uh, Ginelli brings. 
Uh, Mackay Stephen as well, tremendous quality. You know, th- these are guys that have won won titles. You know, they've won won trophies. They've played for big football clubs. They know what's required. Um, they, they 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 won't shy away from it. So, you know, the more experience and the more quality you can add to to your front lines, excellent. You know, and Andale as well. I seen us. You know, obviously the evening news done done the um the questionnaire with 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 heart support, and I think I read something like um a fairly large percentage of supporters didn't think that. Nandalee and Boyce would score enough goals for Hearts. I disagree with that. You know, I think um, I think absolutely Boyce will score enough goals, but I think Nandalee as well, if he's given his opportunity, can definitely um, definitely add goals because you know, look at his record for Blackpool. You know, I think he scored seventeen in one season for them. Um, so he's clearly a man that that, that will will. You've seen it first hand at Tannadice when he came off the bench and scored. So. I think he's something that, that if, if Boyce was to get injured, I think he could definitely step in and, and be an avid replacement. I think Woodburn as well can can play down the middle. I know they wanted to add another striker before the, the deadline went, but I'm I'm pretty comfortable with, with the um the, the business that we've done. I think we've got a tremendous amount of depth there. So um let's hope we, we maybe see some of them rotate as well, keep it exciting because you don't just want the same front free starting every week because that's when the, the other the other players will start start get disoriented. I think it's important that um you know we change the teams and depending on who we're playing and, and we see uh, a bit of competitiveness between the players and I think that in turn will we'll see them come good as well and put in performances because if they don't play well they'll be out the team. So because um, it's all very well and have and fine having this depth. But if you don't use the, and rotate the players and keep them on their toes and keep them hungry um, there's a waste of time having them, so hopefully we'll see that. Yeah, you know, I mean, the competition for places obviously is is um, is key. You know, it's all very well speaking about depth, but you know, the actual competition itself, which, as Gordon says, keeps players just keeps players hungry, and and they know that if they don't perform in training or if they don't perform well at the weekend, then you know they will be out of the team because possibly now for one of the first uh, first seasons in a wee while, we've got the the players in there that are just as um, just as good. Um, provide just as much quality to, to replace them. Obviously, Ross County on Saturday. Um, they've not made a great start, Gordon, Ross County, yet to win in the Premiership this season. I mean, we should be going up there with a lot of confidence given we're unbeaten, shouldn't we? Yeah, 100%. Um, but in fairness to Ross County, you know, they're one of five teams, I think, that haven't won yet this season. So I wouldn't hold that against them too much. You know, they've had a... I mean, they've played both halves of the old firm. Um so uh, you know, I think I think Ross and they've, they've been away to Aberdeen as well. So they they've had a tricky start in fairness to them, and I think they'll you know they'll they'll look at this as, as a tough game, but the one that they'll they'll believe in that, that they can obviously win. You know, I think they're a team that um, is in transition. You know, Malky Mackay's came in there. And I think he's a, a really good appointment for them, and I think you know if they stick with him, he'll uh, he'll he'll do well with them. Um, I think you know. He's had his troubles, but I think had he not had his troubles, there's no danger he would be at, at, at Ross County. So they've took advantage of that and they've brought him in. Um, I think he'll do well for the football club. And uh, and listen, they could be... I, I don't think they'll go down. I don't think they'll go down. I think, you know, they'll, they'll be a side that once they get their act together and they get their new signings up to speed, um, I think you'll see them maybe take a few scalps. But I think it'll be a tough game for Hearts. I don't know exactly what to expect. You know, I'm hoping it's going to be the Ross County that that um, has started the season and are still feeling a bit sorry for themselves, and and we can take take advantage of that. But we shouldn't take them lightly. I think you know we've got to go up there and 
and make sure we get three points because, you know, it is the type of game that you could see potentially hearts slip up under. You know, Nielsen has, has a habit of doing that, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, if he wants to, to silence critics and he needs to go up there and win these sort of games, and I really hope that we do because if we want to finish third, these are the type of results that we need to get. You've seen Aberdeen go, Aberdeen go to Motherwell last week and lose. We've got to take advantage of that. You know, we need to make sure that that we get these, um, we go up to these types of places and we we win. We went up to Tannadice and won, and we'll need a similar performance. And uh, and I fully expect Hearts to go and deliver that, and uh, and hopefully we'll come away with um, with another win. Jamie, how do you anticipate Hearts will approach this game? Yeah, look, I think Hearts will dominate the ball. Um, we kind of did that at Tannadice, especially um, away from home, obviously. You're right to speak about Ross County, by the way. They've had a very difficult start to the season. They have played Celtic, Rangers, Aberdeen, Hibs and St. Johnson. So that's five of last season's top six. Um, I know St. Johnson have kind of struggled a wee bit this season, but that's a very tough start. And now obviously playing Hearts, that's arguably the best six teams in the league. So we can't go up there and underestimate them because you could argue that they're in a bit of a false position at the moment and they haven't had a chance to maybe show that they're a good, a better team maybe than they've, uh, they've shown so far. But as for the game itself, I would expect Hearts to dominate possession up there. I think Ross Kenny will be organised. I'm going to need to watch out for guys like Callahan because um, you know we know he's he's capable of a, a long range strike or a, a nice through ball. We're going to have Jordan White up front, I would expect. Um, so we know he's going to be a handful as well, big striker. But you know if we've got centre backs, he's probably going to try and play off uh, play off Stephen Kingsley. But Kingsley's not the worst in the air. Um, I know Cochrane played at centre back and, and struggled against kind of Curtis Main and. Jay Emmanuel Thomas especially um, but I think Kingsley will be a, a bit more equipped to deal with that so I would fancy us to take care of him but we probably just need to be a bit more clinical in front of goal obviously we did have plenty of chances and I know Matt Macy had a good game but even at Tannadice and uh, against St Mirren as well I thought we had chances to make the game more comfortable so we'll need to be clinical and we'll you know we'll need to be solid at the back but that's the, the case of any game really but I would fancy Hearts to go up and and put on a good performance and get another away win. I'm trying to remember the last time we won our first three away games in the top flight. 2018, I think, on the Levine. Is it? Well, before that, it must have been a long time ago, I would imagine, because we've not won many away games throughout the whole season, never mind the first three. But yeah, apart from That's that, been, solid no, start. No, Jamie, we've not won many away games in my entire life. 20 years, never, I. <laughs> yeah. So, 27 years. Um yeah, no, listen, I, I do. I think Ross County um, is a tough place to go, but we've actually got an all right record up there, to be fair. And I think we'll take a good travelling support with us. You know, I think the, the crowd when we went to Tandice was brilliant. I think, the, the, you know, there'll be a... Um, I think the Hearts Away support definitely is, is a really good one. I think everybody will be looking forward to it. You know, we're all going up. I, I can't wait. You know, I think it's going to be a great day out. Um, the sun will hopefully be shining and it'll be, it'll be another, uh, another really good away day. So... Um, you know, let's hope that, that Hearts give us a result and uh, if they can get, you know, three points up there, um, it sets us up nicely for um, a home doubleheader uh, against sides again that we should we should be looking to beat. You know, I think that if Hearts can take nine points out of the next three, I think it, it really, really proves that they are equipped and ready to, um, to challenge for third. Um, if they were to drop points in any of those three games, I'd be a bit concerned. I would be. Um, but again, you know, as you would expect our, our new signings to be up to speed further. Um, you know, more game time, sharper. They've had more time to train. Um, I think there's a really good opportunity for us to lay down uh, the foundations of what could be a really, really good season for us.
you know, this is obviously the away game, and then you've got two home games against Motherwell and, and Livingston. Motherwell have started the season quite well, but Livingston are not doing so well just now. So I think if we could get an away win, that sets us up really good chance to go and get uh, two two more home wins. And then obviously I think we go to Ibrox after that. So I would I would quite like to get nine points out of the next nine so that we can maybe go to Ibrox and have a go at least and, and maybe not have that much pressure on us. Whereas if, if Gordon said we were maybe to drop points in one of those games, it would probably be a bit more pressure on us to go to Ibrox and, and get something if we want to get kind of third spot because uh, as Gordon said earlier, I don't think there's going to be much between us and, and Hibs and, and Aberdeen. So every point is crucial. And the big question, Gordon, is uh, how many pies are you going to buy at the game? I mean, I'm going to get a couple. Well, I can't comment on that at this stage. Um, I think it's clear that there probably will be quite a, a lot of food to soak up the, the amount of beverages that I'm, I'm probably going to consume. Um, I, I believe that they do have a Bristol bar set up, so that, that will be getting visited, absolutely. I've heard that uh, they have some pulled pork uh, on the go, so that could be getting sampled. Um, but for me, you know, Ross County is uh, one of the best pies in the league. Um, by, by you know, I think their steak pie is lovely, but it's the haggis one. The, the haggis one's fantastic. So, you know, if I was putting a figure on it, I would say anything from four to seven. <laughs> Followed by a heart attack. Worth it, though. I mean, Jamie, we have to ask you this question as well. Will it be a conservative one or none? Or are you big on your pies? It's been a while, to be honest. You speak about the kind of the best pies in the top flight. One of the best pies I've had would be uh, Arbroath. Arbroath did a lovely steak and black pudding. We went up there one of those uh, pre-season games. I uh, had a couple that day. And uh, to be honest, I'm not sure I've ever had more than two. I think I had two at Arbroath that, that day. So I'll, I'll be pretty conservative with my pie consumption. That's just because you have to look good in front of your media pals. That's all that is. <laughs> but anyway, I asked you to be munching far more than two. You try, kid. It's good that we ask the big questions on this show anyway. Um, we'll move on and we'll chat a little bit about the um, the news during the week that five of the SPFL Premiership clubs, um, sort of the five biggest outside the old firm, you could argue, are um, looking to do a strategic review of the Scottish game and, and how we can generate more revenue. Do you think this is quite a good thing, Jamie, in, 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 the, in general? Yeah, it has to be. You know, it's, it's good to see Mrs. Budge leading the way again with regards to scrutinising the governing bodies. Um, and, I, I, you know, I think we, you, just, you guys have said it before on this podcast that we are, uh, we've criminally undersold our game for a long time now. Um, I remember during one of the lockdowns, it kind of be long after the arbitration process, I, I distinctly remember listening to Gordon on one of the podcasts and was very impressed with what he had to say that day with regards to the governing bodies and the way we kind of marketed our game. Um so, yeah, I think, you know, ultimately, there's going to be a lot of uh, different opinions on this. People like Ron Gordon have campaigned for a while now since he's come into Scotland and said that there's too many teams in the country. Um, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that. But what I would say is, do all these teams deserve to have an opinion at the, the top, top level? Um, but then, obviously, if you're going to try and change stuff like that, it's going to be extremely difficult. And we've seen with... Um, the voting structure, the 11 to 1 voting structure that we've got in this country it's, it's very difficult to try and um, get changes passed and, and until we kind of get the ball rolling it's going to be very difficult but look I, I think this can only be a good thing, Neil Doncaster's come out and backed it as well so uh, yeah, I'm all for it, I mean the Hearts fan inside me says yeah go and stick it to him but the reporter inside of me thinks uh, oh yes this can be only good for good for the good of our game 
No, absolutely. I think it's uh, it'll be interesting. It depends how much autonomy and 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 power they actually have. Um, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a fact-finding mission, as the SPFL called it. Um, I don't think you have to look very far to see that the the league and and the way it's run is uh, is completely shambolic. Um, I think last summer highlighted that. Um, but it's been like that for a long time. You know, people are dissatisfied with the product in this country, but continue to follow their football clubs out of pure loyalty and love. And, um, you know, we, we certainly don't follow Scottish football because we think it's, you know, the, the best league in the world, but nowhere near. Um, you know, I love Scotland. I, I love Scottish football for everything it brings you and, and just for the, 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 the pure bamness of it. But, as an actual product, we, we totally sell it short. You know, we've got a, a, dis, a disgrace of a TV deal, uh, which was done by by our disgrace of our um, SBFL chief executive or whatever his official title is. Um, he's a man who makes a lot of money um, from the SPFL and does a very poor job. Uh, you know, you couldn't organise a piss up in a brewery, to be honest, but somehow he's still in a job. So, you know, if you want to do a fact-finding mission, the first thing you say is, right, but we need a new board. Uh, we need somewhere that's actually going to do right for the SPFL clubs. Um, I think fans have been calling for a bigger league. Nobody wants to continue to watch you play four teams a season. I think you know we've got big game. We've got the big games back this season in in the SPFL. Everybody's really excited and looking forward to them. But I don't think there should be four of each of them. You know, I think by the the time the season finishes, the novelty's worn off again where I think if you had a home and away game, everybody would really be looking forward to it. Um, I think there's an opportunity now for the, the bigger clubs to to lobby for a bigger league, whether that's 16, whether that's 18. Um, you know, because you look at the strength of the championship and I think those teams in that championship, if you, if you combine that with a premiership, it would, be a, it would still be a really strong league and there would still be a lot of exciting games. You know, you would have the five teams back up there Um you know, for me, it would be far more competitive. I mean, how's a team like Hearts or Hibs realistically going to go on and challenge for the title when they've still got to play two sides who have 30-40% higher budgets than they two eight times a season? It's just it's not going to happen. You know, it's very difficult. Whether if you've only got to play them four times, it gives you a much better opportunity of, of actually challenging at the top. And that's what we need in this country. Um, I go back to the Sky deal as well. For me, I think pay-per-view is a really good thing for, for football clubs to tap into. Um, unfortunately, they sold themselves short by giving the deal to Sky in the summer there. But if they had actually you know, had a, an external... Because, they would, listen, during lockdown, when they were selling it to clubs, each club would have seen how much money they were making and thought, hmm, I quite enjoy this. And then suddenly Sky have came along because they've obviously got it in their contract somewhere and the SPFL have obviously negotiated that. They've took that revenue away from the clubs and they've given it to Sky. Um, so Sky are now are the ones who are basically there and they are, the um, from going forward particularly, the ones who will make the money out of that. And um, and the football clubs are probably going, nah, nah, draw the line there, enough's enough. Even the smaller clubs who rely on, you know, um, the, the revenue from Celtic and Rangers and things like that, even they've probably said to themselves, well, listen, you know, we're actually making good money from teams buying these streams whether it's, you know, you're playing a Hearts, Hibs, Celtic and Rangers, you know, I think Hearts, Hearts said something like, you know, they were getting 25,000 views per game in the championship. Um, 25,000, you know, when, when you look at 
the average attendance, 17, 18,000. You know, that, that's an incredible amount of, amount of people that you're, you, you know, are paying £10 or whatever it is um, in the football club. And Hibs will be the same, Aberdeen will be the same. They've got a lot of overseas supporters. If you give fans a chance to, to, to do the pay-per-view, something very simple, it's a fantastic moneymaker. It really is. I think lifting the alcohol ban as well is something that, that, that they should look at. Um, you know, I think I can understand if they want to keep it in, in play for, you know, a Derby or Celtic and Rangers and things like that. But you're not trying to tell me that there's going to be any issues, Hartsfield, Livingston at home, because the fans can, you know, can suddenly have a half-time pint. Shambolic, it really is. We shoot ourselves in the foot constantly. Um, and I think, you know, we, we need to start bettering our game uh, because it's a fantastic product. You know, it really is. Um, you know, and there's for me, there's there's nowhere else like it uh, in the world. You know, you've got two huge football clubs in Celtic and Rangers who are monsters. And um, and that's why, you know, England don't want to take them because they would go down there and dominate down there as well. But if, you know, and I'm sure the old firm would, would like to see a stronger Scottish league. I think they really would. But it's smaller clubs who are desperate for the, the, the revenue um, of the, the big supports of Celtic and Rangers, you know, two, three times a season. They're the ones that ultimately, unfortunately, hold Scottish football back. And I think if we can come up with a way to, to help these clubs in terms of the revenue, then it can take everybody else forward. Is it not a concern, though? I mean, the, the best thing about Scottish football, I don't know if you agree, but I think the best thing about Scottish football is the fans. Is it not a concern in this review that they're doing that no fan is being consulted? Well, it's not a surprise, is it? Um, because if, if, if football supporters were consulted, uh, we would have had a bigger league long ago. Um, you know, they, they don't really care about what, what the fans do. Ultimately, it's about whether or not clubs can make money. And I think over lockdown, they've seen ways that they can actually make money. And suddenly, they've decided that um, now the Sky deal, which was shambolic from the very start, is no longer adequate enough for them because they've seen actually, you know, the grass is actually greener on the other side. Um, and they've obviously had a go at um, at the SPFL and, and particularly Neil Doncaster for selling the game short. I mean, listen, you shouldn't really shouldn't have been a pandemic to, to see that one coming, but here we are, and, and suddenly it's maybe seen these clubs wake up. You know, I think Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen, uh, even the two Dundee clubs are, are in positions now that they probably haven't been for a long, long time. They're fairly financially stable. You know, they're investing in their squads. And they want to see more for for their investment. You know, they, there's ambitious owners now in, in Scotland, not ambitious owners in, in in terms of that they've came in. They're just throwing a, a wad a load of cash at it. They're actually strategic, and they actually see that listen, our football clubs can be better. We can be competing in Europe, and uh, and we need the, the 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 league ultimately to help us do that. And um, and it's not in a position to do so because it's been underfunded and undersold for a long, long time. So, um, you know, hopefully common sense will prevail. Hopefully they do listen to the supporters. Hopefully they do interact with supporters and, and find out what supporters want. But, you know, if we're being honest with you, you know, supporters will, will follow their team regardless. I think it's, it's tapping into, you know, maybe your, your, your casual fan and what they want. You know, how are they, how are they going to be more inclined to maybe buy a season ticket? How are they going to be more inclined to maybe up from going to one or two games a season to five or six? And I think that's what you've got to tap into. And I know, 
success obviously goes a long way to doing that. But you know, how do you say to your your average mid table fan, how are you going to go along? And I mean, look at St Johnston for example. You know, they won two trophies last season. I'd be interested to see how how much is their attendances went up by. Um, you know, what would you say to a St Johnston fan? Because I mean, look, you've seen their supporters in their European games. There's clearly fans there. You know, how do you say to those supporters? Well, even half of them. Um, you know, you know why? Why won't you come to the game on a regular basis? What's stopping you? And um, and I, I'm fairly fairly confident that the majority of their answers would be similar to everyone else's. Jamie, you made a comment when you were when in the last question I asked you about Ron Gordon speaking about you know there being too many clubs in Scotland. Is that a concern that you know? We look back at the European Super League, lots of American influence. Four of these owners are all American. Is there a concern, possibly, that the strategic review tells us that we need less clubs in Scotland and the, our clubs are going to try and push that forward? You know, the Scottish football purist isn't going to sign up to that, are they? No, I wouldn't have thought so. But then I would say, well, how do you go about getting rid of these biddy clubs then if you want to call them that do we just break away do we just like draw the line under what the championship then you've got part-time teams like queen's park that are in league one now do you do a full-time part-time it's it's going to be very difficult to kind of try and resolve this issue uh, if you do believe that there are too many teams i don't really see what the solution is fairly anyway to to try and resolve something like that um I think the American influence is a is an interesting point. Uh, Ron Gordon obviously is, is the most um, front kind of the, the, the most front figure of, of all this. Um, he's been the kind of driving force behind it. Uh, he's as I say, he's campaigned for a while now and said that there's there's just too many teams in Scotland and we're not going to get anywhere unless we kind of bite the bullet, if you like, and uh, be a bit more strict and be a bit more harsh and say to these kind of smaller clubs, why are you getting a say? In, uh, in matters that affect, well, teams like Celtic and Rangers that are turning over God knows how much more than uh, somebody like uh, Albion Rovers per annum. Listen, I don't think anybody has the right to say that you can't be a club anymore just because you're not big enough. Um, but I think, you know, ultimately it comes down to reconstructing and reconstructing the leagues. And I think, you know, between ourselves and the Championship and, and even, you know, some of the clubs in League One, you know, your Falkirks and... Um, who else is down there, even Airdrie's and things like that, you know, I mean, these are, are still reasonably sized clubs and clubs who have historic supports and um, clubs who have done things in in the past in Scotland. And, um, you know, I think if we had a bigger top flight, you know, and maybe just a, a potentially even a smaller championship, I think, you know, it would give these teams, um, you know, you look at the championship just now and you've got what, Kilmarnock, Dunfermline, Wraith Rovers, um, all, all reasonably size clubs certainly you know big enough clubs to that should be top flight clubs um and and you you look at the the supports that these teams have and you know we've seen in the championship and uh when when we were allowed to to go down and even you know teams like queen of the south and Arbroath and things like that you know they still had decent enough supports and i think you know you can't just say that these clubs don't matter because because of course they do you know they all come from sort of little towns that we're um, football is 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 everything that matters to them, and I think it's important that, that we tap into that. Um, I think you know, 
you look further down, even at League Two, there's ambitious clubs in there. You know, there's Cove Rangers, there's Edinburgh City, um, you know, Queen's Park have, have, have reignited themselves as well. And, and these are clubs that want to climb the pyramid. And I still think if you've got the ambition to do that and, you've, and you, you're able to attract the quality, you know, Kelly Hearts is another one, I think they, they should be allowed to do that. I don't think you can suddenly just have a go at these clubs because, you know, you have more supporters than they do. It's, it's nonsense. And um, But I think they've got to reconstruct the way that, that, um, that, you know, these clubs can maybe even live the dream. Um, you know, they might not come up and go on and win the league or whatever, but I think, you know, it's, it's much more realistic for them to get into to a, a bigger top flight and, you know, they're not going to go and finish third and maybe make a mockery of the game and that's maybe what some of these owners are maybe concerned about that maybe a Cove Rangers or Kelly Hearts could come into the league because they've got the investment behind them with their 1,000 fans or whatever it is and go and finish third like Livingston done all those years ago I don't think that would happen again and it particularly wouldn't happen in the bigger top flight because there would be too much quality I think but it's no harm in these teams coming into the league because they could do well you know you look right throughout Europe you know there's small um, surprising teams that that have the odd season in in, in the Premier League and and in the top flights in these countries and and it's that's the it's the beauty of football and I think they should be allowed to do it you know you only have to look at Ross County and what they've done you know um, when they first came into the league uh, how and Inverness as well how they rose through the leagues and they've developed themselves into reasonably sized clubs I would say in Scotland so. Um, they have a decent product in the Highland Derby. So I think it's important that, that we still encourage that. But for me, there should be a, a bigger top flight. There should be less games against the same teams. And that right away is a really good start. And, you know, fuck Sky. Who cares what if they want their four old firm games? You know what I mean? We've got so pandering to these people because it's not as if they actually pay really, really good money because they don't. They, they shortchange Scottish football constantly. So we, just, we should tell them to get up the road. Um you know, even if for a wee while we have to come up with our own TV revenue uh, stream. But let me tell you something. There's enough interest in Scottish football from around the world that we could actually um, organise a better TV deal. You know, I'm just confused as to kind of what Mr Doncaster kind of gets all that money for, you know, and not where does it come from. But maybe if uh, if we weren't paying the, the CEO so much money, then some of the other clubs that are maybe lacking a bit of income especially just after the pandemic um, might be a little more beneficial to some of that money than Mr Doncaster Fighting talk on your last word there JV, um, thank you both for joining me this week, um, yeah hopefully we can get a win over Ross County on Saturday um, and yeah stay unbeaten in the league um, until next week, goodbye <laughs>